One of my favorite parts of just about every book I've ever read or movie I've ever seen or TV show I've ever followed to the bitter end is when the bad guy turns good. It's just so exciting, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's in your romantic drama or romantic comedy movie where that, that guy who's just not treated the girl you're cheering for right the whole movie. He's been a real jerk. And finally he grows up and starts acting like a man and giving her what she needs and you cheer. Or maybe it's in an even bigger way where you're watching an action movie and, and the evil villain or one of his henchmen has a change of heart, turns around and helps your hero. It's just super exciting. It makes you want to cheer. And I think, I think there's a reason you want to cheer for that jerk who, who makes good or the abominable snowman who, who turns out to be a good guy or, or the evil queen who's fighting her, her evil down or that evil Darth Vader guy from Star Wars who you've watched six whole movies of him turning evil and being evil and giving himself over to evil and finally he turns around, you want to cheer. I think that as we watch movies, when we project ourselves into the characters, it touches on that human desire to be able to change. We want to make ourselves better. We want to be able to redeem ourselves, don't we? That's something that, that really touches us on our hearts. So today we're going to look at maybe one of the most evil villains the world has ever known and the transformation that happened in his life. The early ch Christian church was beginning to be scattered far and wide. This was because of very heavy persecution that had broken out in Rome. The Sanhedrin was, was trying to do everything they could do to stamp out the followers of the way. That's what the Christians were called then. We hear how, how fervent they were in those desires. Just remembering last week, they went so far as to murder Stephen. Now this new guy, Paul, is chasing them around too. And they're scattered. We hear about how Stephen, he made it all the way up, maybe almost to Greece, and then all the way back down around the Mediterranean into Africa. He got far and wide chased by this persecution. And Philip, who we just heard about in our readings today, did the same. He was up north in Samaria and maybe made it as far as Africa south too. And where he went, God's word was going. So there's our protagonist, there's the good guy, there's, there's the cause we're cheering for in the Bible. Now we need to hear about our villain. This is Saul. He's the guy who was watching over everyone's coats while they were stoning Stephen. He was the guy who was the star student of Gamaliel, the Pharisee who advised the Sanhedrin on how to let Christianity die out. He was a true enemy of God. Just listen to what Luke says about him in the first couple verses here. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Saul was really an enemy of God in, in two ways, on the inside, in his heart, and outwardly. Outwardly, this guy was not satisfied to just allow Christianity to exist. He wasn't satisfied even just to scatter it. You see, he got permission from the Sanhedrin to go out far and wide, bring the Christians back so that they could face judgment in Jerusalem. 
This was his life's goal. He was an outward enemy of God, and, and this had terrible results. First, it, it certainly would have cemented the Pharisees in, in their notion that they had the right idea. Because here's a guy who's passionate and zealous for our cause. We're doing the right thing here. So he was cementing these Pharisees in, in their unbelief. And second, I'm sure he made it hard for Christians to trust God. I'm sure he, he made some people doubt God, or maybe even turn away, turn away from God. And then finally, he, he might well have kept people from following God too, right? They'd see the persecution he brings against the church and say, no, I don't want to have any of that. So he was hurting people's spiritual lives with his outward being an enemy of God. But really, that's just a projection of what was on the inside, isn't it? On the inside, he rejected God too. See, he was, he was that star student of Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He knew all the rules. He did everything right. And he counted on that to earn himself favor with God. That's why he didn't feel like he needed Jesus. I don't need this guy who says he's going to pay for my sins because I'm doing all right without him. I believe, I believe just fine. And, and more than that, he, he didn't even just feel he didn't need Jesus, but he actually hated Jesus because Jesus seemed like he was threatening his way of life. And the result of this inside rejection of God is no less disastrous than his outward rejection of God. God is powerful, and he won't let people stand against him. So, with rejection in his heart, Paul was headed for eternal destruction. He was, he was about as bad an enemy of God, through and through, as you can imagine. He's the Darth Vader of this story. He's the evil guy. He's, he's the guy in the movie who's so bad, you can't even hope he turns around. Because you just hate him. He's so evil, you don't see any redemption for him. You don't see anything like that. Aren't you glad you're not like him? I mean, we have faith in our hearts. So inwardly, we're not rejecting God anymore, are we? We wouldn't reject him or doubt him, would we? But here's the thing. Our sinful nature, the part of us that was all there is to us before we came to faith, it's still in our hearts. It's still there. And it still does reject God. It's because of our sinful nature inside of us that, that we continue to sin in all the ways that we do. And it's, it's even more subtle than that. It's, it's the sinful nature in us that, that puts thoughts in our minds that are a lot alike what Paul would have thought too, or Saul. Isn't the thought, you know what, I'm pretty good. I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. I, I do a lot of good things. I don't do a lot of really bad things. So I, I deserve good things to happen to me in life. Isn't that a familiar thought to us? Don't you ever sometimes kind of doubt God? I mean, he says that he's going to work out everything for our good. But man, some really bad things happen, don't they? Do you ever find yourself doubting 
Those are the same kind of thoughts that were in Paul's heart. And, and that inward rejection, it shows itself on the outside too, with our sinful ways, and it doesn't just affect us. Just like Paul's rejection affected others, our sinful nature affects other people too. And, and I know we're thinking, you know what, I, I would never try to hurt someone's spiritual well-being. I would never try to harm someone's faith. I would never do that. But think about the message you send someone when you act like some sin is okay, acceptable. You're sending a false message about God. You're, you're giving them the wrong impression. If they're going to see God through you and they see that that sin is okay to you, they're going to assume that sin is okay to God too. And, and that's going to lead them further away from God, not towards Him. So maybe you do all right and, and you stand up for God's truth and you, and you aren't allowing sin to pass. You're not, you're not giving the wrong impression about who God is or what He does. Maybe you're doing well there. But do you ever take every single opportunity you have to share God's Word? If you did, I think we'd have to pull that divider up and fill this gym up with some more chairs. The hard fact of the matter is, a lot of times, we're not the hero in this story. A lot of times, we're just as bad as Saul was. We're that Darth Vader character. We're that one who does evil. Even after we know that we have faith, even after we know that we have God. So we have these tendencies, and it seems like we can't help these tendencies, right? It seems like we, we, we just can't stop doing these things. That's when maybe we start to feel hopeless, or, or maybe even start to figure, you know what, there, there's nothing that can be done, I, I can't help this. That's what it looked like for Paul or Saul, right? He didn't even want to help what he was doing. He wanted to keep doing it. It's like that scene in, in Star Wars where Darth Vader says, it's too late for me. He's given himself completely over to the dark side. He's, he's given himself completely over to that, and he sees no hope for ever turning around from that. Darth Vader needed a transformation. Saul needed a transformation. We did too. We still do sometimes, right? So let's look at how Saul was transformed. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So Saul's on his, on his way on the road to Damascus, and all of a sudden, Jesus appears to him in a bright light from heaven. A bright light that's brighter than the noonday sun in the desert. That would have been a stunning thing to see. It, it knocked Paul, or Saul off his horse. This is the glory of God. Only God can appear in such splendor and majesty, and Saul knew it. He knew it was God he was talking to. So when he asked who you are, and Jesus identified himself and said, I'm Jesus, it clicked. 
Saul was convinced. Jesus convinced him that Jesus is God. And oh man, if Jesus is God, that, that means a lot of things. That means I've been doing the, the wrong thing this whole while. That means all these things that people have been saying about Jesus are true. That he's the son of God. That he's here to, that he came to pay for my sins. That he loves me. All of these things are true. When Jesus came to him, for the first time, he put faith in Saul's heart. Now he's a completely different man. This is, this is the transformation. He, when the story began, he was evil, God's enemy, bent on destroying God's church. Now he's completely different. He's on the opposite side. He's, he's an ally of God. He's in God's family. He's, he wants to do that. And that's all thanks to God's work there. Jesus appearing to him. Do you ever wish your conversion was that spectacular? Wouldn't that be easier? Wouldn't it be great if every time you sin and get, get trapped down that path of, of turning against God, becoming God's enemy, wouldn't it be great if he came to you in all that splendor and brightness and called you back? Wouldn't that make it easier? Wouldn't it be great if, it, if God just knocked you off your horse, knocked you out of the car you were driving and said, hey, cut it out. Follow me. Well, just think of who you are. Who you were before you came to faith. You couldn't do it on your own. Not any more than Saul was. Saul could. You were, you were just like him. I was just like him too. And then... Someone shared God's word with us. And hearing God's word, we heard God's law that told us we're sinful and God's gospel that told us about Jesus and what he'd done for us. That's the same message that, Paul, that Saul saw on the road to Damascus. He saw the law. He saw God's splendor and holiness and realized how sinful he was compared to that. And he saw God's love too. That gospel is what put faith in Saul's heart and that gospel is what put faith in your heart and my heart too. God hasn't changed. It's really just the, the method that's different for us there. Just like he gently and lovingly called to Saul, he gently and lovingly calls to us with his word. And it's his word that we hear his voice still when we fall into sin in, our, in different ways. And really coming from our background of sinfulness and rejection, that's no less a miracle than what happened on the road to Damascus with Saul. When we, when we see God's word, God convinces us that Jesus is the Savior we need and that Jesus is the Savior we have. That's what, that's what he uses to call us out when he's stray. So praise God for that transformation because we've gone through the same transformation that Saul has. And we still are going through that same transformation on a daily basis. So God's blessed us with, with new life when he brought us to faith in Jesus. So let's look at what happened to Saul after, after his conversion. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. 
So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So this is how Saul's new life after his transformation begins. He goes to Damascus blind and he doesn't eat or drink. Just think of how overwhelmed he must have been by all of this. It's probably a blessing that he was blind, right? Because now he had even less to distract him. He wanted to spend all his time praying to God for forgiveness for what he had done, for thanks for turning him around from that. But, but that's not where God's grace ends. God doesn't just convert us and then say, all right, you're on your own. God works from there. Look what he did for, for Saul. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord came to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore, restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. So Saul was a broken man after this. He, he had realized his sin and, and was just overwhelmed with it, filled with sorrow for his sin. And God responds to that sorrow with pure, unconditional love. Isn't it amazing? He sends Ananias to Saul to share God's forgiveness with him and to, and to restore his sight. God could have punished him for all the bad things that he had done to, to his people and, and all the hate that he had for his son, Jesus. But instead, he gives him his sight back. He cares for him. God's pure love is, is shown very well through the words of Ananias, too. Ananias doesn't question God, but trusts his plan and goes to Saul Ananias realizes that he and Saul really came from the same place. Once, they were unbelievers. They hated God. They were both enemies of God. And now they are living under the same grace. The same love. You can see that just by looking at his words. Look at how he addresses Saul. He warmly calls him brother. After that, Saul gets up, and the first thing he does is he gets baptized. And he eats and drinks because there's no need for him to fast and mourn over his sin anymore because he knows he has forgiveness from God. 
After this, Luke tells us that Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. So he doesn't wait, does he? As soon as he is transformed, as soon as God calls him back from being an enemy, he's out there on the front lines sharing God's message. Let me go back to Darth Vader one last time. As soon as he saw Luke there, at the very end of that last movie, as soon as he changed, as soon as he turned away from the darkness, he acted. He saved his son Luke. He destroyed the evil emperor. That's how these transformations work. It doesn't, it doesn't just stop with the transformation. It continues with action. That's why this is so exciting. That redemption that we all hope for is possible. It's just not where we're looking. It's not in ourselves. It's not on us. It's completely on God. And, and that's the best news because we couldn't do it if, even if we tried. But God can, and he did. Saul knew that. Saul knew that he had been an enemy, and now he's a dear brother to, to all the believers, to Ananias and everyone else. We're the same. We were enemies, and now we're dear brothers and sisters to everyone in God's church. So like Saul, God has given you and me new life. God has transformed us completely when he brought us to faith. And he continues to call us back from our sinful ways when we lapse into them. We're all received with the same mercy, the same unconditional love, the same grace that Saul was. We still have that too. And despite our past, despite what we've done, despite what we're going to do, Jesus calls us brother or sister. We're all part of God's family. There's no sin, there's no secret, there's no past thing that's too hard, that's too bad, that's going to keep you separated from that family. So, as enemies of God who have been transformed into dear members of his family, what are we going to do? Friends, let's be like Saul. Let's throw ourselves wholeheartedly into our new lives, right? Let's live for God. And let's keep bringing more people into God's family and telling them about his amazing love. Amen.